This episode was a statement against the killing of the gorilla Harambe. <laughs> you cannot change my mind on that. Hello and welcome to Obsession Bluey, a podcast where I talk about the things I'm obsessed with. For this season, season one, I'm talking about the hit Australian children's show, Bluey. Rest in peace, Harambe, and long live Uu. Okay, short recap. It's time to play Zoo. Chili is the mom, Bingo is the kid, Bluey is the zookeeper, and Bandit is the gorilla slash baboon. Bandit is less than enthusiastic to play. So Bluey prods him with a pool noodle to try to get him to move a little bit for the guests. It doesn't work too much, so they move on. But Bingo is intrigued and climbs into the cage where they develop a friendship. After the zookeeper notices, she grabs a hose and hoses Bandit down to try to stop him. But Bandit grabs Bingo and hops the fence in a beautiful slow motion masterpiece. The two end up on the run before a banana lures Bandit out of hiding and into captivity. The zookeeper recognizes the bond that they share, though. And while Bingo is sad and she goes to bed, Bluey brings the gorilla back to Bingo so they can share the love that they have for each other. A strangely beautiful episode where the kids learned about the beautiful possibilities of what could have happened had Harambe lived. The episode opens up where we see Bandit and Chili enjoying just a moment on the couch together. This scene says a lot with the visuals here. They are both reading... Bandit is reading a paper, and Chili is reading a smaller book that I honestly cannot place, but I think we've seen um, that book in an episode previously. I don't know where it is, though. But Chili is sitting straight up on the couch, and Bandit is lying on the couch with his feet up on Chili's lap. It's weird, but this, to me, kind of shows a fun dynamic of their relationship. This seems like it would be the other way around, where Bandit would be sitting there, and Chili, her legs would be up on Bandit's lap. But the role reversal points to the fact that Bandit is just a goofy, fun guy. And Chili kind of seems like the more serious of the two parents. I'm sure that Chili kicks her legs up on Bandit sometimes, but this little role reversal thing here was something that I liked. Bluey runs in and asks Mom, specifically Mom here and not Dad, if she can play zoo with them. She explains that Bingo is going to be Snowdrop, the toddler. And as Bingo steps in behind her, Bingo says, and Mom's going to be Mom. She jumps up in excitement here. Already her first line. She is so cute. Um, oh my goodness. And after she shows genuine excitement for her mom being mom, Chili cannot resist. So she says, okay. And Bluey speaks up again and says that she's going to be the zookeeper. And then she points at her dad and says, what about you, dad? Bandit has having a great moment right here, just laying on the couch, reading his paper. Honestly, That moment right there makes me want to get a subscription to a print newspaper and just sit there and read it every morning. It honestly looks relaxing and really fun. And as he's laying on the couch, he tells Bluey that he's going to do just that. He's going to lie on the couch and read the paper. Bluey says, no, pets him on the head in a terrifying sort of way and says, we've got a special job for you. And Bingo and Bluey both giggle maniacally. And the episode title sequence pops up and Bluey lets us know that this episode of Bluey is called zoo i want to say one thing about this episode from the title sequence that made me shed a little tear thinking about an australian zoo makes me teary-eyed for our guy steve Irwin, the kindest zookeeper to ever live and just a genuine and beautiful human being he's in league with like the mr rogers and bob ross kind of guys 
and together they form the trinity of human goodness. <laughs> this episode is dedicated to both Harambe and our guy, Steve Irwin. <laughs> the scene moves to the backyard. Bluey is on the lawn and Bingo and Chili are walking together, holding hands and stepping out of the house and onto the lawn to join Bluey. Bluey welcomes them by saying, good afternoon, Lady Gabardine. And Gabardine, I looked it up. It's a long, loose coat or frock for men worn in the Middle Ages, especially by Jews. That's what the definition is. I have no idea why they chose that name. Maybe Bluey learned it in school or something. Maybe she has like a Jewish friend or maybe the healers are multi-religious and do a little of everything and are really Jewish too. I don't really have anything on why she's called Lady Gabardine though. Some of the names might just be completely random names. I don't know. But Bluey here welcomes them to the zoo and introduces herself as the zookeeper. Imagine, just imagine if you were so rich that you had the entire zoo to yourself. Yikes. Wow, that's crazy. Zoos are kind of cool places too, but also kind of sad places at the same time. Uh, I'm not going to lie. They're, they're awesome, but it's almost cooler to see animals in their natural habitat. But here, Chili, in a very proper manner, thanks the zookeeper and says, My precious little snowdrop just adores animals. She pets Bingo on the head and bingo eats a banana <laughs> she's just munching down on a banana here bluey tells them to follow her and they do they walk to the fence that separates them and their neighbor it's the opposite fence from the judo side of the yard we don't know who lives there yet but they set some stuff up in their yard so it has to be some kind of close relationship with their neighbor the first thing they come up to is a picture of a giraffe that is pinned to the fence bluey walks up to it and tells them that this is a gentle giraffe he's very friendly Snowdrop and Lady Gabardine like it. Bluey moves on to the next exhibit. She starts to introduce it when Bingo interrupts and says, it's a kangaroo, it's a kangaroo. And Bluey corrects her here because no, it's a patty melon, like a kangaroo, but smaller, very friendly. And the zookeeper says that she's pretty sure they like eating melons. I feel like this is a line thrown in there because in Bluey's mind, the reason it it has melon in its name is because it likes eating melons. <laughs> Just like the kid logic of this script here. Snowdrop laughs and jumps up and down mimicking the patty melon. They move on to the next exhibit and Bluey issues a warning. Now she says, this one's definitely not friendly. He's a stinky baboon. And now we get a shot of the other side of the fence where Bandit is reading his paper and leaning against a raised garden bed. The music stops and Bandit just goes, ooh, ooh, with very little energy. The shot moves back to the gang on the other side of the fence and Bingo giggles like crazy, points and says, Big Blue Monkey! Lady Gabardine is a bit bored and voices her disapproval to the zookeeper. She is a rich Karen here. She says, Well, I rather thought we'd see a bit more movement from the animals. Bandit blows raspberries at her and Chili is offended and tells Snowdrop to stay back. Bluey, the zookeeper, takes matters into her own hands. She grabs the fence and shakes it, saying, Oi, get up, you big ape. Our visitors don't want to see you lying around all day. Bandit is not motivated here and just lays down with his back to the fence now. Bluey is offended. Bingo loves this, saying, Monkey sweep, monkey sweep. Bluey takes matters even more into her hands and she grabs a pool noodle, pokes it through the fence and starts to jab the monkey in the back, trying to get it to move. Bandit gets up in a whirlwind, and as Bluey keeps poking it, he, she says, dance for the lady, you big ape. But Bandit is a monkey with a lot of strength, and he grabs the pool noodle, then proceeds to scratch his bum with it to the disgust of Lady Gabardine and the zookeeper, and to the delight of Snowdrop. 
The zookeeper waves off the monkey and tells them that they're going to move on to the uh, kukuburas, and we get a bird's eye view of where they are going. And the zookeeper and Lady Gabardine both walk away, but Snowdrop stands there and just watches the big ape. The shot cuts to a close-up of Bingo. She's looking at the banana that she's got in her hand, and then she has an idea. She walks over to the fence and sticks it through. Bandit very hesitantly drops the pool noodle and walks like a monkey over the fence with a lot of nervousness. He grabs the banana and scurries away, but he takes a bite and he loves it. And as he's eating, Bingo climbs under the fence into the exhibit. You cannot tell me that this was not made to counter the Harambe account. More proof on that in a bit, but Bingo walks closer to the ape and the ape walks or the ape backs away even more nervous. The shot moves to Bluey and Chili looking at the two stuffed birds on the fence um, that are on Lucky's yard, like the fence between them and Lucky's yard. So it's their back neighbors. So their side neighbor is Judo, their back neighbor is Lucky and Lucky's dad, and we don't know who this neighbor is yet. One with like this this uh, uh, iron fence, what is, it? what is that, steel fence or something like that with the crosshairs that you can see through. The other ones are um, wood where you can't really see through them. But they're in Lucky's yard and they're talking about who the cuckoo bears think everything is funny. Which I encourage you to Google the bird, like what that bird sounds like in the wild because their call is very familiar. And especially if you've watched the um, wagon ride episode in the early morning, that was one of the sounds that we heard in that one. But it's like the sound of the rainforest or the jungle or something. Like that quintessential sound of like that bird cawing. Um, And it sounds like they're laughing when they call like that. So... I think this is just a fun line. So Bluey says that these animals think everything is funny because it just sounds like they're both, like these animals are laughing at everything that happens when they're doing their call. Chili loves these birds and says, ooh, look at these little darling Snowdrop. But as she looks to her right, Snowdrop is nowhere to be found. Lady Gabardine looks back to the ape exhibit and she sees Snowdrop walking toward Bandit with her arms outstretched saying, Snowdrop want a hug. The next shot is of Lady Gabardine and the zookeeper running over and seeing Bingo attached by a hug to the leg of Bandit. She's hanging on saying, Snowdrop, hug monkey, and just loving life and giggling like crazy. Chili changes the animal that was in the original enclosure <laughs> because Bluey says it was a, ba- a, a baboon and she says, the gorilla has Snowdrop. Bluey is fed up here and she moves quickly to try and save Snowdrop. She tells Lady Gabardine, to not worry because she'll sort this out straight away. She runs off then immediately comes back with a hose in her hand. Chili looks nervous about what's going to happen and Bluey stops for a second saying, he's not allowed to do this. It's against the monkey rules. And just as a side note here too, when Chili changes the name, I feel like she knows all about the Harambe situation. So I think when she changes the name from a baboon to a gorilla, she has that in her mind because this simil- this situation is eerily similar for her knowing the news and knowing what happened with Harambe that she's going, you know what? This is a gorilla. This is all, this is all too familiar. This is scarring her memory right there. So I think that's kind of why she changes it. Bluey, in Bluey's mind, this is a baboon because she mentions it later that this is a baboon and she never really wavers over the fact that this is a baboon. And she's a zookeeper and she knows best, but Chili is scarred from Harambe, the gorilla. And she speaks up saying that it's Harambe or it's a gorilla. (laughs) But when Bluey has the hose in her hand, she starts spraying Bandit with the hose water and Bandit does not like this at all. He does something really touching here though. He shields Bingo from getting wet with the water. 
He does not like getting sprayed, and you can tell that, but he protects Bingo from getting wet, which is cute. Then comes this epic shot as we see Bandit pick up Bingo, and he runs and leaps over the fence in slow motion. Zookeeper and Lady Gabardine watching in amazement. He lands and he picks up the pace a bit, but he knocks both Lady Gabardine and Bluey off as he runs with Snowdrop. And this was like the perfect uh, comeback for Harambe. Harambe couldn't escape from his cage and he got shot. And this is like freedom for Harambe with a little child. Maybe they would have developed a great relationship. You never know. <laughs> the shot here, though, stays on Bluey and Chili for a second. Bluey speaks up saying, would you like to see our reptile section? Which is a hilarious line because Bluey is learning the idea about distraction from Bandit and Chili being able to distract them all the time from the moments that they're upset. So I feel like that was a funny little line there. The shot moves again, this time to Bandit, um, the monkey running into the house with Bingo in his arms. Right behind them comes Lady Gabardine and Bluey. Lady Gabardine saying that this is unheard of. Not really. We've heard of this before in America with Harambe Chili. You know that. <laughs> she then demands that the zookeeper save Snowdrop at once. Chili really nails a stuck up rich Karen lady here, if I'm being honest. She should be more upset at herself for letting Snowdrop drop out of her sight at the zoo rather than being angry at the zookeeper for having an ape behave like an ape. It just doesn't make much sense, to be honest. But like typical Karen, she blames it on the zookeeper. Bluey is pulling her pushing car like her feet pushing car onto the porch and she's trying to calm Lady Gabardine down. She's saying that she has everything under control and she putters off into the house with her little car. Bandit sniffs something now and Bluey screeches into the frame behind them and the chase is on. They scamper around the room a little bit, racing around the couch. Chili runs in now too and yells for Snowdrop. She says, Snowdrop, darling, are you okay? And Bingo cannot stop laughing in Bandit's arms. She looks like she is having the time of her life. Then Bluey corners them. It looks like a standoff, but Bandit gets away right as Bluey crashes into them and he leaps up on the stairs and celebrates with that lifting hands thing that monkeys do. They run away and Chili falls to her knees saying, Snowdrop! And Bluey with a hilarious line again here says, Would you like to visit our gift shop? <laughs> the shop moves to upstairs where Bandit is still running away. They might be downstairs actually now, because they run past that pantry that Bingo tells them where to hide in. And that pantry, I don't know if it's upstairs or downstairs. It seems like it's upstairs, but it just doesn't make any actual sense for it to be upstairs. It, there's like an area upstairs where it is. And I we've seen this before in certain episodes, but I cannot tell if this is upstairs or downstairs. But it doesn't make any sense that you're, you store your food upstairs and your kitchen is downstairs. Maybe their kitchen is upstairs. No, their kitchen is downstairs for sure. This whole thing, their whole house layout just doesn't really make sense to me. But Bandit opens the door and they both go inside. And they're in the pantry now. And when we get this kind of beautiful scene that is very reminiscent of Tarzan. Inside of the pantry, Bingo holds up a cookie. Bandit looks a little nervous, but takes it and scarfs it down. Bingo giggles and says this. Me, Snowdrop. You? Ooh, ooh. Bandit says. No, no. Me, Snowdrop. You, hoo hoo, Bingo laughs and says, You, hoo hoo, Snowdrop, hoo hoo. Bandit finishes and taps his chest saying, hoo hoo, like confirming that his name is hoo hoo. 
And Bingo giggles again, and this connection is super cute. This was like a really well done part of the episode. It's a really moving scene. It was very much like Tarzan, you know? Like when they're getting to know each other's names and they have a connection there. Oh, it was a beautiful scene. The shot moves to Lady Gabardine and Bluey both downstairs now. Bluey is tying a piece of string onto a banana and Chili watches on. Bluey explains he won't be able to resist this banana and when he goes for it, we'll trap him. Chili, in all her rich annoyingness here, says, Well, I should say so. Goodness, poor Snowdrop will be so worried without me. <laughs> the scene cuts back to Bingo and Bandit in the pantry and they are playing a peekaboo game. Bingo is giggling, not looking at all worried that she's without Lady Gabardine. There's an idea in this shot that shows the paranoia parents might feel when they leave their kids away for something. Now, I've ragged on Chili in this episode, but she does have a, have like a lot of right to be scared and nervous and angry at what is happening here. Her daughter was taken away by a gorilla slash baboon. Well, Snowdrop kind of climbed in, so it's not really on the gorilla here. I mean, that is terrifying though. And in smaller ways, parents all over are terrified of things that could happen to their kids while they aren't there to protect them. But kids can be really good at figuring out things out for themselves if they have the time to do it. And sometimes when parents are worried sick, the kids are out having like the time of their life. And I know you've got to prioritize safety because kids can sometimes do really unsafe things. But if kids are within safe parameters, they will be okay. And it can do good for them to get away from their parents and learn independence and what they can actually start doing with their life. So I know she has a right to be angry and I know she has a right to be upset and sad that uh, she's not there to protect her and worried really, but bingo is just living life here, really enjoying things. And I think more parents should learn from that. Sometimes your kids are going to be okay. You don't have to worry about them constantly. Sometimes like what is worrying ever going to do for you? Worrying won't, won't do anything, you know? But now the shot moves back downstairs and we see Chili and Bluey hiding behind a chair and the banana is suspended from the ceiling. Lady, Lady Gabardine questions how long this will take, but Bluey hears them coming. We now see Bandit stepping out of the pantry and they both, Bingo and Bandit, walk by the door of the room where the banana is suspended. Bandit doing a very convincing gorilla walk here. As he walks by, he spots the banana and makes a beeline for it. And as he's about to grab it, Snowdrop peeks her head back in and shouts, No! And Bluey jumps on top of him with a sheet to cover him and wrestle him to the ground. Chili sees Snowdrop and runs over to her and grabs her and hugs her. Bluey is struggling and says she's going to have to tickle the big fella to sleep. <laughs> Bandit laughs a little bit, looking like he's coming out of the game, but then relaxes and falls asleep. She gets off on top of Bandit and walks over to Snowdrop and the Lady Gabardine, saying, See, everything is under control. You're a very lucky little girl, young lady. And Bingo gets free of her mom's grasp here and runs over to Bandit, sleeping, yelling, no, ooh, ooh. Bluey grabs her before she gets there and Gabardine comes over and grabs her again and takes her away. And as they're walking out of the room, Bingo reaches out and the shot goes to slow motion again. She yells, ooh, ooh. And there's an echo and the music is this beautiful flute music that just makes you sad. It is a sad farewell between two beings that made a connection. Bluey looks at Bingo as Bingo is being carried away and she understands the connection that the two had. She looks regretful here. But the scene then transitions to the moon and we know that it's bedtime. 
the moon, as I've mentioned before, looks like it's the Death Star. <laughs> so there might be some Star Wars in this uh, coming up in these episodes. I can only hope that there's some Star Wars stuff. <laughs> the game is still lasting at bedtime, though, as chilly as Lady Gabardine is putting Bingo to sleep. She says, nighty night, my little snowdrop. Bingo says, see oo tomorrow? Goodness, no. I don't think we'll ever be going back to that zoo anytime soon. And Chili walks out of the room. Bingo rolls over on her side, and we get a shot of her lying on her side with the window behind her. She says, snowdrop, miss, oo She closes her eyes, and we see Bluey poke her head in the window. She opens it up and whispers to Snowdrop, Psst, Snowdrop, you got a visitor. And she points over her shoulder as Bingo runs over to Bluey's bed and sits down getting ready. Bluey then says, come here, you big baboon. So Bandit is a baboon again. And in pops Bandit acting like ooh. He sees Bingo and climbs into the window and onto the bed. And the two embrace in a show of connection that they had and that they had made. And the episode ends and helps us all understand the connection that could have happened with Harambe and the kid who fell in the pit. Just a weirdly beautiful episode. I'm not going to lie. This was a weird episode. But it just had a lot of like slow motion, beautiful shots to it. A lot of good connection to it. This was a good one. Each episode, I'm going to talk about the four things that I noticed in the episode. Four because there are four members of the family. These are not the most important parts of the show, but they're just things that I really liked. So here we go. Number one. This is the first time that I've ever heard of a patty melon. I knew obviously about kangaroos and I knew about wallabies, but I had no idea what a patty melon is. So I looked it up and Wikipedia says, patty melons, wallabies, and kangaroos are very alike in body structure, but different in size. Besides their smaller size, patty melons can be distinct from wallabies by their shorter, thicker, and sparsely haired tails. Like wallabies, they move by hopping. Bluey knew the difference, but I did not. So that was kind of impressive. Number two, I was amazed that the healers just have free access to their neighbor's backyard. They use the fence on their neighbor's side just freely. And I guess that there are some neighbors out there that are open to doing that. But I remember when I was a kid, I kicked the ball on my neighbor's property and he was either lost forever because there was no chance I was going over there or I did I did go over there and I ran for my life as fast as I could because I was terrified of my neighbor spotting me and they were the nicest neighbors ever. So it was probably just me, but like free access to your neighbor's yard here. It just is like when you're, I don't know, when you're a kid and you walk into your neighbor's yard, I feel like unless you really, really, really know them and you're like best friends with them, I feel like it is a terrifying occurrence where you're on someone else's property and you know, you shouldn't be there and you are panicking and terrified. So that just goes to show that this little community in uh, the healer universe and the healer bluey universe is pretty cool. That they just let their neighbors go into their other yards and it's okay. You can play a whole game of zoo in your neighbor's yard without them worrying about it. Number three. I just want to say this again. The house layout of the healer house is weird. They go upstairs to get away from bluey and they make it to the pantry. Like who has a pantry upstairs? I just don't, flat out don't understand this layout at all. They've got a beautiful house, but this thing is a maze. I don't understand it. They have great plants in their house. They have tons of rooms. Their house is probably a million dollar property. 
don't know how they can afford that because they both seem like an archaeologist probably doesn't get paid a lot and whatever chili does she probably doesn't get paid a lot too it seems like low income job so i don't know how they're affording that house but whatever the house is it is a maze because their layout is so confusing i don't know where the pantry is i think it's downstairs but they run upstairs and they're at the pantry so the pantry maybe they ran upstairs one step and they ran downstairs on the other side to get away and that they were in the pantry then but i don't know this house layout is a mess number four there is a scene in this episode that is very reminiscent of tarzan when jane and tarzan are exchanging their names with each other it takes them a while of saying it back and forth it's a really amazing scene i'm not gonna lie um and the glove scene is it is a moving scene too so like that whole scene in tarzan where she's like no 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 jane tarzan Jane, Tarzan, and then Tarzan's trying to figure out the names and all that kind of stuff. It's a really, really beautiful scene. Um, but this one in Bluey had the exact same vibes to it of trying to learn each other's names. And it was really, really well done. It was very, very reminiscent, almost to a T of the Tarzan thing. So this episode just has some great emotional pulls to it with the slow music and the slow motion and everything that was involved in that. So they just did a really good job on that. Every episode, we're going to talk about the theme of the episode. And the theme of this episode of Bluey is connection. And this one's a tough one for me to talk about. Not necessarily just for it being like, I'm like resistant to connection because I love human connection. It's what something I long for. But just like theoretically, the idea of human connection is a bit vague. But in this episode, it was, a, it was an interesting connection between a dog and a gorilla slash baboon. I think everyone wants to connect with each other and they, everyone wants to connect with other people really. And let me, hold on. Let me make a precursor to that. The majority of people on this earth strive and long for connection. Connection in some way makes them feel less alone. There are rare people who don't want that at all. There are people who want to live in anonymity and for no one to know them at all. But this is uncommonly rare. I think I read a book a few years back that was based off of this really famous article about the hermit of the North pond woods. It was a book about this man who just one day left civilization and went into the woods of North Maine to live on his own for 20 years of his life. He only said one word in those entire 20 years to a passing hiker, which was high. And he didn't go and hunt and gather either. He stole from neighboring vacation homes. He was a master at breaking in and would steal tons of supplies from people during the off months. And this man is just someone who was captured pretty recently. And honestly, he might have been healthier and the book says so if he was left on his own in the woods. He's someone who really did not crave after connection because he was okay with not having it. Maybe he did and just didn't want to like acknowledge that and just suppressed it. And that's why he went into the middle of the woods and lived. But that's like a psychological study that I don't, that's a bit above my pay grade. Sometimes life can be easier without connection. Let's be honest, because there's no one to let you down. But human connection, and not just human connection, but connection in general is the thing that makes us feel less alone. It makes us feel, makes us not feel the unbearable weight of life sometimes and the difficulty and hardship that comes our way. It's very easy to fall into despair on your own. And if you are alone and have nothing but your own thoughts, it can be really like devastating. But people and connections that you form with people can provide healthy distractions from the lonely thoughts that are going off in your mind and it could just be a real balm for loneliness and it allows you to live a really enjoyable life with other people 
and cherish every single moment that you have with them. I think about the connection that people have with their animals too. And I'm going to talk about that a bit more in the story section for the day, but people can connect with those living, breathing animals, which is strange. And people are devastated when their animals die. And it's an interesting idea as well, because animals can develop a connection with us as well. And we truly learn to love these creatures. Don't get me wrong. They are responsive. They're their responsibility and they can be knowing as anything, but the payoff is love and connection. And that's kind of worth it. And even much more worth it when we're talking about connection with other human beings is the connection with other human beings. Relationships always require a little bit of work, but the idea of connecting to another person to share a life and really enjoy life together is something that I crave and something that most other humans crave. Look at those studies that happened with babies. Probably misquoting this, so don't take my word for it, but I heard this study one time done where babies were kind of left to their own devices. Like they were given food and they were given, they were changed when they needed to get needed to get changed, but they weren't held and they were kind of just left in like a crib, but they had no connection at all. Really? And those babies died off. Like, honestly, as I say that, I don't even know if this is an actual study. I feel like you'd never actually get away with something like that, but I think it's actually called something. I think it's like instant infant death syndrome. Um, Infant death syndrome, I'm looking it up right now, is the sudden death, usually during sleep, of a seemingly healthy baby less than a year old. Although the cause is unknown, it, it appears that uh, this might be associated with defects in the portion of the infant brain controlling breathing and arousal from sleep. So, yeah, that's not it. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe I'm just completely making this up. But I feel like I heard a study once where that happened. It was probably someone just that made up a study about this and they just said like, oh, this is why we need human connection. But it does theoretically make sense. It rings true in some way. Connection and love are the reasons that we are on this earth. Even a simple connection between Bingo and Bandit in this episode shows that the people might have had connections. Like you might have connections in the craziest of places. Because Bingo connects with this ape that doesn't connect with her first, but when the ape connects, like when the actual connection happens, they love each other. And there's just a sense of accomplishment that occurs at the end of this episode with that whole thing. Where two creatures were able to find each other and just really enjoy spending time around each other. I think another important aspect of this episode was how Bandit seemed resistant to connection and Bingo was just gushing with love and affection. Bingo seems to thaw Bandit's heart a bit here. Especially in the scene with their, they're in the pantry learning each other's names. Again, it was like very similar to that Tarzan scene. The scene where this man doesn't know that there are people like him out there. Then all of a sudden he sees humans and the immediate connection he has with them is right there. So like the whole thing of Bingo and Bandit connecting in this episode is just really, really interesting to me. Uh, because they connect in a very random place when one wants to connect and the other just wants to sleep and be away and is like is uh um harmed and like broken and doesn't seem like they want to connect really at all and someone with gushing love like bingo can really help thaw your frozen heart we might connect with people over random things like soccer or legos faith one of the many things under the sun and those connections can blossom into beautiful relationships but a lot of times it takes a person like bingo someone with an open heart to initiate that connection. And I think above all, those connections can really help us heal. Each episode, we're gonna award the best in show for the episode. 
And the best in show for this episode of Bluey is Bingo. Bingo is on a hot streak lately. She's been winning this award like crazy in the last few episodes, but we've got to give it to her again. Chili was a no-go for being a rich Karen. Bandit was just an ape here. And Bluey did what well redeeming herself, but Bingo just had a great episode where it showed all of us the importance of keeping your heart open to love and connection. She was someone who was so gushing with love that she could not help but make a connection in the most unlikeliest of places. Bingo was cute in this episode, as always, and just tugged all, at all of our heartstrings in this one. She's the person where we learn kind of about the risk of connection. That sometimes the people that we connect with can harm us, but sometimes that risk is worth it because it can also open others up to love and make this world a better place of people who love each other with an open heart and an overflowing and gushing love. Bingo is that, and that's encouraged me to do that too. Be so overflowing with love that like, you really can help heal yourself and other people. So she models this perfectly in this episode, and she really deserves to get this award. Bluey really helps me remember my childhood, and this one gave me flashbacks to the connections that I had with my dogs growing up. I had two different dogs. One was a black lab, and one was an English Mastiff. And I had them for the majority of my child life. I think we got my black lab when I was probably like six, maybe. Maybe a little bit older. And then we got my um, English Mastiff probably when I was like eight or nine. The, the Mastiff did not live very long. Um, I think he had about a three-year life. And he had a stroke. Um, or like there was a bunch of things that we thought happened with him, but we didn't exactly know. But it seemed like a snake bite where maybe he had a stroke or something like that during the midst of that and his le- his back legs didn't work. So... Um, his quality of life was just deteriorating rapidly and um, we had to put him down. So that was pretty sad. But I remember putting him down that one day. And this is going to be a depressing <laughs> memory for both of you because I'm going to talk about the death of my two dogs. But I had a really, really great connection with both of them because I was just, just like a kid. I didn't really have to take care of them. I fed them every once in a while, We'd go on hikes and walk sometimes. But I didn't really have much of this responsibility. But I just connected with them in, in a way that people usually connect with their pets. And I remember when Samson, his name was, our English Mastiff, when he was about to get put down, he was in the garage and he was just lying there and I had basketball practice and my mom's car was in the garage. And I remember my mom saying, you're not going to be able to see Samson when you come home because dad's going to take him and we're going to go put him down. And it was so sad. I'm like sad thinking about it right now. And I remember going into the garage and I had to go say goodbye to Samson. And I couldn't, because I could not, I was on the verge of tears. And I had basketball practice, and I didn't want to be embarrassed by walking in crying during basketball practice. So I remember I walked into the garage, and I looked at Samson, and I started crying like crazy. And then I just went into the car, and just went into the, just like hid in the car. And then I waited for my mom to come to drive me to basketball. And that was how I said goodbye to Samson. It was really sad. It really stunk. I really loved that dog. He was an awesome dog. But that was sad. But something that was even sadder was how my other dog died. It wasn't a sadder way, but he died of just old age. And it was tough. It was brutal for me. So he was 
a dog that lived, I don't know exactly how long he lived, but I think about for 10, 11, 12 years maybe. Um, and he was a really, really great dog. He was a bit annoying at times and he smelled really bad. And But he was a good black lab, very, very obedient. Um, he would run away every once in a while, but it was when he was uh, in mating season. <laughs> so he would run off, go find a little honey and then um, come back. <laughs> so, but he was a great dog. Really, really great dog. I miss that dog a lot. His name was Simba and he was a black lab. And, uh, one night he, we sent him outside, um, to go pee in his spot before we all went to bed. And, uh, so we let him outside and for some reason he just wasn't coming back and it was strange. So, uh, we walked outside and my dad found that he was really struggling breathing and he looked like he was going to, um, pass away at that moment. So we rounded up the family and my siblings, I, I think two of my siblings were in college at that point and it was me and my other brother. I don't know if my brother was there. My brother actually might've been in college at that point too. But I remember my dog was laying right outside of our porch, um, right in the grass and he was really struggling to breathe. Um, and it was like, he couldn't get up and it was just like his time. And it's really sad. And I remember just sitting with him, petting him and like crying right where he was. And it was such a sad moment where I wasn't going to have this connection with my dog anymore. And man, it's like even moving me to this point right now, because that was, that was a great, great dog. I love that dog so much. And, uh, the, it's just an, an incredible thing. This, this episode was just a one about, the connection that you can have even with animals um, and how those bonds can get really, really heavy and strong. And it makes you want to live for those things that even though it stinks when you have to say goodbye to an animal that you love or even worse, a person that you love, it makes it worth it because you love that thing. You love that animal. You love that person so much that it hurts that much that you have to say goodbye to them. And that's what human connection is about. It is loving someone so much that it hurts so, so much when you actually say goodbye to them. And I really, really find that the more I live on this earth, the more I say this a lot, the more I live on this earth, the more I think I find that that is like what our purpose is, is to love each other so much that it hurts when we are not in that other person's life or when that other person is not in our life anymore. And life is too short to not have healed relationships and to not live your life like that. So if you have things that are keeping you from a good relationship with someone, mend those things so that you can actually develop a stronger relationship with that person. Because it is not worth it to not have attachment in life because life is here for us to love other people well and for us to enjoy other people's company to the point that if we randomly, if someone randomly passed away, that we would be devastated over that person passing away because that person loved us really well and we love that other person really well. So <laughs> let's do what Bingo did here and gush our love so much for other people that, that thaws other people to the idea of love and to love itself. And we really learn to just love other people and form connection with other, other people in a meaningful way. Anyway, I'll be seeing you.
Thanks again for listening to this episode. I am coming out with an episode every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I missed Wednesday this week, but I was a little bit busy, so I just could not get an episode out. So we are just off by one episode, which is fine. Um, we don't have to come out with an episode every single Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Everyone's got a life. <laughs> I got a life, you know, things happen. But this this uh, podcast is really, really fun to make. So I was actually missing. I was really upset that I had to miss um, posting on Wednesday because I really love making this thing. Um, but if you can leave me a review and a rating wherever you list the podcast, that would be great. You can follow on social if you want and just keep following along. I really, really enjoy making this. I enjoy some of the interaction and connection that I'm making with the people through this podcast. It's really fun. Um, and I am and looking forward to doing that as we go on throughout season one. It's just the, this is the greatest show in the entire world. I'm telling you, this is the best show that's ever been made. And I cannot wait to keep watching it.